Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Some People Call That Jesus. Um, so it's been exciting to go through the different topics and things so far. I want to continue that with this episode, of course. So this episode, the, the theme of it or the topic of it is fellowship. Which, the term fellowship, it's... I wouldn't say it's crazy uncommon out in the world. There's a few different capacities um, that I could think of that the term fellowship is used, but it's not a terribly common word that we would use. We would have other type of words like community or friendship, or those all have different meanings as well, or different layers of meanings. It's, in my mind, just on a very basic level, it's pretty close to the word community in a type of way. But we're going to look at today what it says in the Bible about fellowship. And something about this particular fellowship or community that we're talking about, this connection from person to person, that is unique amongst believers and amongst the body of Christ, a term we'll look at, and in the church itself of Christians, and how it truly, once we see the significance of it, it really can't be replicated by any other group or association in the world amongst people um, because of how special it is in the Christian church and what God designed it to be in us, and what his purposes for it are. So we're going to be looking at fellowship, um, which interesting, if if you want to know, in the, the ancient Greek, they called this word uh, koinonia. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that exactly con- correct, but koinonia is this word of fellowship that uh, is used in the Bible, and you start to see it a lot in the early church, the disciples, after Jesus went to heaven, and the community that they had amongst believers, and that was growing you have this fellowship taking place, and that's what we're going to look into. What did they have that was so special, and do we have that today? So the first verse to look at that is key for this is 1 John 1.3. So towards almost the back of your Bible, not the normal Gospel of John, but 1 John 1, verse 3, and it says this. It says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the first point of understanding fellowship in the Christian sense and the way God designed it is that we are the first level of fellowship or encounter with the things of God. And I'm talking about people who are followers of Jesus. For the rest of the world, we are that first level of fellowship. Because he says here, that the Apostle John, he's saying to, to the recipients of this letter, He's saying the things that we've seen and heard, the experiences that we've had with Jesus, because they lived with him, learned from him uh, for the three and a half years that he was in his ministry. So they're saying what we experienced firsthand with Jesus, that's what we're telling you. We're telling you real life examples. We're telling you about our actual relationship with Jesus and what we've experienced. That's what we're proclaiming to you, preaching to you, teaching to you. And he says so that you may have fellowship with us. So again, that first level of fellowship is with the believer from you know person to person human being to human being and Jesus set the precedence with this he came as a man for many reasons to bring salvation to man and part of it is to set the example or to set the standard of what this fellowship is um, revealing God to man through man essentially Jesus comes as a man to show us what that is about to have a real face-to-face relationship with us So he's saying here as believers in Jesus, you are this first encounter with the things of God and the things of Jesus for those who don't know him. And he goes on to say at the end of the verse, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, saying it doesn't just end with the fellowship of the believer, but the believer is just the first step and becomes this bridge or this access point 
to get to know Jesus one-on-one because our relationship with others is not a substitute for them having a direct relationship with Jesus. But we we help get them to that point. It's it's incredible in that each believer in a way is like an access point for anyone else to know Jesus more, to experience him. In the last episode, we talked about taste and see that the Lord is good. To get a glimpse of what the relationship is like with Jesus, we begin to show them through our relationship with that person. And again, we're not the we're not the dead end. We're just one stop along the way, or I like to picture a bridge more for them to have a relationship with Jesus one-on-one, a fellowship with him. But it starts with knowing the believer. And a verse in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, which is really powerful, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's sending them out two by two to go to other towns and villages and to preach this message. So he sends them out, you know, I would say on their own, together in pairs, but he wasn't there with them to send them out in this kind of preaching message and mission. But he tells his disciples in this powerful, mysterious way almost, he tells them, those who receive you receive me. And he's telling them, again, not that in people's lives we are a a total substitute for Jesus, but he's saying, you go with this message in my name and my authority to share with them the good news about God. And if they receive you, they're not just receiving you. The fellowship that they accept with you, they're making a way or they're opening themselves to receive me, Jesus, into their lives to impact their lives. So it's so powerful, Jesus says, we we have to carry ourselves very carefully. We have to represent him correctly because we're offering some knowledge, some experience about Jesus to people through our relationship with them. And we can't forsake that or lose sight of that because you can make us, it can make us think how many times has someone turned away from the idea of God or Jesus based on just their interaction with us. I mean, that's, it's honestly a very sobering thought. And another verse, Acts 1, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, this is some of Jesus's last words or really his last words, before he ascends to heaven. And he tells the disciples and those they're hearing that they are to go into all the world to be witnesses of him. Meaning, hey, you've lived with me, you've heard from me, you've experienced all this, including including the cross and resurrection. I need you to, to take this eyewitness, ear witness testimony out to the world so that they know it's genuine and for real. Um, so that's, again, building on that level of... Uh, sorry, build on the aspect of what a fellowship is, or the relationship is, we are to experience Jesus ourselves in our one-on-one relationship. Then we are to be witnesses of that experience to the world that doesn't know him, that looks for proof of him. Because even in this world today, people say there's no proof of God. Where are these things? We have to see them. We offer it to them through our own experience person to person. So that's the first aspect of us being the first level or layer of fellowship and encounter. The next is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is talking a little bit more about how the body of Christ, all the believers, the church, functions. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and there's many verses in here that explain this. We're just going to look at three of them, um, because the Apostle Paul, in writing this, he's comparing all the believers of the church with a human body as a metaphor that has many parts and is all together and how it works. We're just going to look at a couple of that. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, first and foremost, verse 12 and 13, and I'll read them now. Um, It says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, 
whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the, the point number two about understanding fellowship in the Christian community is that, one, we need each other, and we are automatically connected with one another. It's saying here in this verse, the first two verses, anyone that accepts Jesus takes part as a, in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, his spirit. And he says, we have many parts and we look different. And we have roles to play just like in our own human body is made of many different pieces, but it all comes together cohesively when it's functioning the way it's supposed to in one body. So it's the same. You accept the same Jesus. Every believer does. So you're connected through that Jesus. And if you jump all the way down to verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Which is really cool because you think about the expanse of believers, millions of believers. I don't know the number of Christians in the world. I'm sure you can look it up. But the number of Christians across this whole planet. And it says every single person that believes by the fact that you have Jesus in your life, you are a part of this body. You are automatically a part of the church. Even if you don't have an official church membership, you don't even know another believer in your town. It says you are automatically on a spiritual level connected with every other believer in the entire world and all of you together comprise the church or comprise the body of Christ by the same spirit so you have this connection so what I want to make here with this point is that not only do we need each other just like the different parts of your body need each other but this connection that you automatically have when you accept Jesus so one is that you are connected on the deepest level because when you're looking at the layers of yourself or of a person the spiritual level or the level of your spirit, that's the deepest part of yourself. So that connection takes place deeper than flesh and blood, even deeper, deeper than emotional and social connections. It's on the level of the spirit. And not only that, it, not only the deepest level, but we're connected through the most significant means possible, meaning we're connected through Jesus or through the spirit of Jesus. So picture that. I mean, I just thought, what if this became your new default attitude or mentality? And I'm just speaking here in terms of believers interacting within the church. But if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, don't follow Jesus, understand these dynamics and these significance of this community of believers, the way God designed it, cannot be replicated. It's very special and powerful. And you know that as human beings, we have this desire to to be with one another, to be a part of a community, something bigger than ourselves, to run away from loneliness and isolation because um, even back in the very beginning, when God created the first man, Adam, God himself said, it is not good for man to be alone. We were never designed to be alone, to be isolated, to be by ourselves. We are made for community and friendship and fellowship and every other word that is about human beings coming together in relationships. So that's what we're designed to be. And we all have a desire for that at some level. So understand that this is a very powerful thing when it's functioning properly. Um, so we're connected to the most significant means, Jesus himself. And again, what I was saying is that in the church, if this was your mentality with other believers, that no matter what your history was, no matter if you knew them or not, or if you had social history, good or bad with them, but what if you approached every relationship with another believer with the knowledge and understanding and the attitude of you and I, whether we know each other or not, if we spent time together or not, we're already connected on the deepest level possible and through the most significant means possible, Jesus himself. How might you change some of your relationships with other believers that you have now? Or how would you approach it differently when you started new ones? I mean, I just think in terms of myself, if I could 
keep this solidified in my mind by the help of the Holy Spirit that maybe I might be kinder, more patient, more understanding. If I understood how I was connected with another believer on this level through Jesus, how I might interact with them differently as opposed to my own mind and my own preferences and things like that. It's just a very powerful way to build a community and God designed it with a purpose. And the final point here with these three pieces and understanding fellowship is I want to see, okay, so the standard was set or the example was set with Jesus. So how did it look for Jesus and the apostles after him? The early church, when this first started and the example was set, what did it look like for them? As in, what should we be replicating? What should we also be doing to get that back if we don't have it? Or what should we be correcting if we're doing it or approaching it in the wrong way? So one of them, one point to kind of add to this level of community, what it's like amongst believers, is a, a story you can find in Luke chapter 5, verses 29 through 32. And I won't go there right now, but you can look it up in Luke chapter 5. But you would see here that there are no outcasts in the community of Jesus. It's the situation where Jesus is with and associating with people that were normally outcasts and that the uh, kind of upright and good standing in society would not associate with these type of people. But in the community of Jesus, there's no outcasts. There's no one on the outside looking in because, again, you're already connected on that deep level. So you can't just have an outcast or someone that's forgotten. But this is Jesus' mentality of bringing in everybody um, in a way that they can feel the presence and the relationship with him. So one, there's no outcast in the community of Jesus. Another aspect of what did it look like for Jesus and the other believers at the time is it's found in the book of James. And I'll turn there for us. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 27. On what does this type of community, or what does this a good religion, so to speak, look like, as it says it in here? And this is what James 1, 27 says. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this aspect of the needs of others come first. It's also the aspect of keeping oneself, um, keeping oneself away from the pollution of the world. That is to be in a relationship with God and let him take you through the process of shaping you to be like him more and more. But also to say, look out for those in need and distress. It says the needs of others come first. That is a key pillar of the, uh, this community of believers. And you can begin to see this if you begin to look through the stories of the Bible and in the early church after Jesus, how they cared for one another. And so this fellowship, this quinonia, they called it, um, you can look in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, and you see how this early church was growing rapidly and how they treated one another and the kind of the dynamics of this community that was forming um, in the city of Jerusalem and in surrounding regions as well. And when you read in there, it's just really cool. You see one, you see um, evidence of unity, talks about them being in one accord, and it wasn't just them being together physically. Um, it was they were of, of one mind and one heart. They were there with the one mission and purpose of taking the good news of Jesus to the world. So they were all, it's just so powerful to think if you had in an organization now where everyone's heart and mind was functioning off of the same purpose and the same goals and motivating and building each other up as opposed to tearing down and competing with one another. And even in their day back then, there's one example where the early church grows by 3,000 people, 3,000 new believers in one day. I mean, just absolute immense growth takes place, partially because of the unity 
one heart and mind of them all together working together. Another aspect that you'll see in their community in Acts chapter 2 is self-sacrificing, kind of what we just said with the needs of others coming first. Them, for a lot of them, they would sell all that they had and they would give their money to the poor and take care of one another and take care of the widows and the orphans and even when it came down to the daily distribution of food. I mean, they have this self-sacrificing that it was about the community, it was about the group, that spreading the message of Jesus and impacting people's lives was more important than their own physical material possessions. And I'm not advocating that we all sell everything and live out on the, the street to give our money away to one another, but it's just this principle of self-sacrifice and where your priorities are. And their priorities were for one another, meeting even the daily needs of one another, to kind of make sure that they were not focused too much on themselves, but what they were there for, which is showing people what Jesus was like through their own interactions with them. And then another key piece of this community that they had with believers early on that Jesus set the example for is this atmosphere of joy, I wrote it down as. It was kind of this, you can't add 3,000 people to your cause in one day in this type of way, with this type of good news, unless there was this atmosphere of joy, kind of like this static, ecstatic, whatever the word may be, like electricity in the atmosphere. You know, they were said that they were setting the world on fire, turning the world upside down. I mean, people were energized and excited and fully on board, fully committed to what they were doing here. There was this joy that overtook not only the group of believers, but started to spread throughout the city. And that is a key ingredient that is powerful in this community and fellowship of Christian believers as well, is that there should be this atmosphere of joy that anyone that comes into contact with you as an individual, your church, an event you're doing, you fill in the blank, there should be this joy, this excitement about Jesus and what is taking place there. If you truly believe all these different pieces that you are encountering Jesus, that you have a fellowship with him, that you have a relationship with him that produces something in your life, and that if you just share a little bit of this knowledge with other people, it can impact their lives in such a way to change it from a night to day situation. So this is the knowledge that brings about joy. This is what it looked like for the early church and the apostles that were mimicking what Jesus had done during his life there, and that through the, his spirit that was now living in them was being replicated and expanded immensely, not only there, but across the world. I mean, we're even recipients nowadays across the globe to what they were doing at that time. So this is what fellowship looks like. This was their koinonia that they invited people into in order for people to truly know what Jesus was like firsthand. So I hope that whether you're looking for a community and you're outside and you don't have any interest in Christianity, maybe you might begin to look and understand what it is about the Christian church that binds us together so powerfully and knowing that you can freely be a part of it. And then if we're in the church, maybe we should try to, if we have an issue with this, to relook at our relational dynamics with one another, our relationships with people we see week to week or maybe we don't anymore, to understand the connection we have with them and to build off of that versus any other type of starting point for our interactions with them. I think it would do something immensely good for us and show the good news of Jesus to our community in a powerful way. So I appreciate you again for studying with me. I look forward to getting into the next uh, topics that we'll be exploring in the upcoming weeks.